AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Kerry Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-course, and then mm-hmm. a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. With podcast, you get to keep up with the culture. When it's up there podcast, you get more. More, more. To another episode of It's Up There Podcast With your boy Looney Big Loon I am your active and attractive host For another episode of the fastest growing podcast On the market right now um, As we start every time We want to say welcome Thank you uh, Make sure you subscribe Now they, they rolling out the subscriptions Make sure you subscribe To It's Up There Podcast um, On Apple Music um, On Spotify On Anchor Anywhere um, to support the the movement um, If you are looking at the video version of this podcast And 
you want to see, or I'm sorry, you want to listen to the audio version of this podcast, you head to any way you get podcasts and you put in It's Up That Podcast, and we should pop up. If you are listening, if you're one of my many listeners and you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, I would ask that if you want to see the video version, you head over to FOGFO TV on YouTube and um, there's a playlist with all of the episodes in it. So um, subscribe there and um, share and comment and like and things of that nature. But welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. A lot to talk about in the culture. A lot we want to go over. Um, just always a lot going on. A lot of game giving that. A lot of game being put down that we must uh, speak about. Um, so a lot, lot going on in the world right now. It seems that the world is opening back up. You know. Um, and of course if you are a follower and a supporter of this Up That Podcast. And you know we have something in the works uh, that you should be able to come out and come see. Um, July 17th, uh, Loon, Big Loon and Dr. Umar Johnson is doing a pop-up. It's up there, podcast live event, live interview, um, very intimate setting. Um, So, you know, spots are really limited. It will be probably under, maybe under 100 people, maybe only about 50 people. Um, because we don't want to turn it into, um, you know, not just yet with COVID being in place, you know, and, um, certain restrictions still in place. Um, and so after that, uh, we got a little Boosie, we're doing a, the live event with Boosie. And then after that, we're doing Love Dorsey. Um, and then we got one more after that. That's a very, very big name. That I'm holding the tuck until it gets a little bit closer to that date. Um, so thank you guys. If you want to fly in uh, to Nashville is where the first pop-up will be. Nashville, Tennessee, July the 17th. Very important, man. It's going to be experienced like no other. You're going to get you're gonna get to see us really put game down. Um, you're going to be able to see us really, really, really have some good conversation. And it won't be that type of, you know. BS, you know, I'm bringing I'm bringing something different to the game, man, and um, hopefully, hopefully, y'all that listen to me and subscribe and and all of that, y'all would appreciate that. So, so make sure you um go to Eventbrite, putting this up there podcast um with Dr. Umar and buy your tickets. You know, that's where it starts. So, um, speaking of uh, speaking of the COVID, <coughs> the COVID vaccine. And, and and coronavirus, you know, moving around rampant through America, India, and other places, man. Um, I always like to tell y'all and show y'all little observations that I pick up, you know what I'm saying, and little things that I see. When I always tell y'all that Joe Rogan uh, in this space, you know, is, is the big dog, I want to give you an example of something that took place. Um, Joe Rogan on his podcast was speaking with uh I can't remember who he was speaking with. Um but they had a conversation about the COVID vaccine. And he said that, hey man, if you're young, you probably shouldn't take the COVID vaccine, right? Um 
That's podcast talk. It's a lot of people on podcasts that share that opinion. It's a lot of people that share a lot of opinions on the COVID vaccine, uh, how quick it was administered, uh, how fast it's being um, uh, made available, um, and, and different things like that. So we all kind of looked at it, you know, with a with a squinted eye. You know, we looked at it with a squinted eye, and so he. I mean, I guarantee you can pull up 500 podcasts where coronavirus is being talked about, a COVID vaccine or something like that is being talked about. When Joe Rogan says it, though, on his podcast, that's exclusive on a platform that we don't even really know the consumption of. But to speak of the reach of a Joe Rogan, you see the White House come out and try to debunk it. Now, they played semantics. Which they do. They didn't really debunk what he said. They created a different conversation. Right? So you got Rogan saying, hey, if you're young, you exercise, you eat healthy. Hey, man, don't worry about the vaccine. You shouldn't be going to get it to feel like shit for a day or two. Don't know the after effects. You got three different shots out there. Don't do it. It's I would tell them no if you're healthy. Don't don't worry about it. The White House and um, Dr. Fauci came out and they said, "Well, you should be getting the vaccine, not for you, but for other people." And so, um, like I said, they started a different conversation. So, you know, we always wonder why throughout the whole entire process of coronavirus, they never mentioned exercise. They never mention eating healthy. They never mention anything that can really combat what we know to be just respiratory, you know, illness. You know, if you're fit, if you're up, if you're moving, if you're grooving, if you take um, elderberry, just these things, vitamin C, what else? It's just like they, they wouldn't mention that. And it's almost like you want to funnel all of the income through you, right? So the only cure you can get is through us. So come spend your money with us, right? It's almost like that. it feels that way. But when Rogan comes out and speaks about it, you see, like I say, you see the White House talk about that, dog. That's a stat. Something I said on my podcast. Something I said on my podcast. The White House came out and spoke about it. You see what I'm saying now? Rogan is a person, if you've listened to him and you know the the things that uh, he reads, right? Because he drops certain books that he reads and things. And, and, and I do a lot of reading. You know that he's trying to keep himself in a, in a place mentally that this is all fake. You know, not that it's not reality. But it's misunderstood, right? What's going on here is misunderstood. Right. People clapping for you feels like love. It feels like admiration. It feels like, you know, certain things associated with feelings that you're supposed to only be able to get if we really know each other. So you you really can't adopt people saying you're good or saying you're bad, you know, and, and them four agreements, they tell you, hey, man. Break those agreements. Break them. You see what I'm saying? 
break that shit off. You don't gotta you don't gotta agree with that far as society says this, right? And so in your heart you feel something because you're the only one doing a podcast. You're the only one invested this amount of money in a podcast. You're the only one that's taking the next level of a podcast. And you say, man, am I gambling with the wrong thing? Nobody else sees this. But you got to understand that a lot of people are indoctrinated with, with what their next step should be. A lot of people are get up, go get a job, work till you're 60, retire, and get 40000 a year. I, I, I don't subscribe to that. So I gotta understand. That's why I'm very. That's why I'm very, very, very critical about who I get my advice from. I can't pull from people who not in the same circumstance as me. That's why I always tell even women when you go and you say I'm going. To, you know, you want to take your problems over here to your friend. Well, your friend don't got the same type guy you got. Your friend don't know what it's like to run a household. You understand what I'm saying? You the captain of a ship. Your friend is riding on, you know, a uh, 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 government assistance. So somebody else is leading the way. You understand? Over here, though, when you when you got a family, like what I'm saying is you can't take advice. Say you got a family. Say say there's a girl with, with two kids, three kids. There's three kids in the household. And there's a man in the household. Uh, there's a loving relationship there. She's raising the children. He's raising the children. There's a house that's 5,000 square feet, right? And, and some people say, well, what does that got to do with it? I'll get to it if you just hold what you got, right? Now, you got a woman who may be on Section 8, may don't have any children, may not have a man-loving relationship with a man, not have a relationship, have a loving relationship. See, that's a different thing. You got to take advice from somebody that got a loving relationship. If you got a loving relationship. Because she think all niggas is dogs. Your dude just slipped. You understand what I'm saying? She in a situation where she's, she can't, for whatever reason, attract anything outside of being dogged. She's not in a loving relationship. So how you going to give me advice about a loving relationship? It's very important that you vent the people that you get your advice from. Because we don't, listen, you telling me, man, nah, I wouldn't be doing that. I'll walk off my job. They do that. I know you would. Because you didn't wait the three years to get the job. These folks only have once every three years. I put in 15 applications to get this job. You on through a temp service. So, yeah, you'll walk out on your job, but I got to think a little more because this job is a, is a job that allows me to have a home that's $600,000 and uh, the Benz truck and my old lady and my family's took care of my mother straight. Like, I got to weigh some things in. You can walk out because no matter what, the government got half of you. You see what I'm saying? It's just... Understanding who you're getting your, 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 your advice from. Understanding who you're getting your advice from. You see, I'm not in a situation, man, to, um, to, to, 
pull anything from a lot of individuals. That's why I don't talk to a lot of individuals. I spend my time studying men that that I deem to be um, has some in some way took the path that I'm headed down. You know, I'd rather consume information because when I'm talking to a person who don't know what it's like to obsess over your next move, how me and you go? What we gonna talk about? You want to talk to me about women or? You trying to fuck 15 different women. I'm somewhat trying to figure out how to target these people with these ads. How to incorporate, uh, 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 you know, colored backdrops on my live events. How to market my music. And, and and introduce myself as the first real hybrid artist that's parallel being in both genres, podcasting and music. How to be the first from a town that doesn't support to create something that you can't do nothing but support. You see what I'm saying? So our fights is different. It ain't much to talk about. There's not much I can gain from uh, a lot of individuals that want to talk to me about these frivolous little things, you know. But women, you got to be careful, beloved. You can't just run around getting advice from anybody. You can't just run around, hey, my man did this to me. Or he said this, or he cheated on me. Yeah, I know I, I know you'll leave your man if he cheated on you because he ain't never loved you. He never really locked in with you to begin with. He been cheating from the jump. Y'all don't got no kids. There's nothing at stake here. You don't learn anything from him. He's nothing more than a piece of dick with some money. Now, if you dealing with a nigga like myself or several other men in this world, you say, well, damn, I got to weigh this up. I got to weigh this up. Man, I learned from the dude. The money's there. The gifts, that's... That's nothing. That ain't even to be mentioned. But this is a loving situation. This is someone that dedicates time to me. You know what I'm saying? So talk to somebody that's in that level of understanding. You know what I'm saying? Talk to somebody that's in that level. On that level. Speaking about relationships, you know, Steve Harvey came out and said a few things just about um, he doesn't have any female friends. Let's listen to what, what Steve Harvey said. So where did this come from? I mean, it's a blessing, true enough. But really, it was just me sitting down being honest. I all of my friends are men. I don't have female friends. I don't. I'm I'm incapable of that. Why? What do you mean? Well, because you know, come on. Because you have a wife. Well, I have a wife, and I don't I don't really have female friends because look. Okay, let's get rid of this. (laughs) I want to know why. Okay, I'm gonna tell you this. Let's get rid of this right here. There, you, you're an attractive woman. There are some guys somewhere saying, yeah, I'm, we're friends. No, that's not true. He's your friend only because you have made it absolutely clear that nothing else is happening except this friendship we have. We remain your friends in hopes that one day there'll be a crack in the door, a chink in the armor. And trust and believe that guy that you think is just your buddy, he will slide in that crack <laughs> the moment he gets the opportunity. Because we're guys. And you think this way? Uh, 99.9% of us think that way. 
And you tell this to a woman and it just blows her back. No, I have male friends. You have male friends because they know it can be nothing else right now. I tell you what, all your male friends, just ask them in a friendly way. If, if I wanted to date you, would you be okay with that? And watch, watch the fireworks. <laughs> watch. I'm telling you. So, it's a so basically, uh, speaking about just not having female friends, right? Um, of course, you heard the clip, you know. Um, because if I had a bad bitch that was one of my female friend and I wasn't in a relationship or whatever, and she said, let's fuck, would, would I as a man say, well, nah, you know, we friends now. I, you know, I can't fuck you now. You see, now we, now we friends now. You my girl now. I can't fuck you, pretty ass now. And you my buddy. You know, so I, I don't know that dudes is doing that. Now girls, I can see them doing that. Be like, um, I'm over at Long House. He done got lit. I'm on the, I'm on the sofa. You know, if we real friends. But I don't know. Are there really any platonic situations where it's just like. I don't know man. I would love to talk to two people that's been friends. For a long time right. And nothing's never happened. Um, Because we seen with. Jada Pekin and uh, her daughter, they just did a table talk talking about polygamy and all of that. Let's hear a clip from that as well. So that's kind of one of the reasons why I actually was interested in poly because I was introduced to it through kind of a non-sexual lens. Right. Okay. In my friend group, I'm the only polyamorous person and I have the least sex <laughs> out of all of my friends. So how did you feel when I told you that I was polyamorous? When you... And monogamous relationships, or my, why marriage, why divorces happen, is infidelity. Yeah. yeah. For somebody like me, it feels like it's really all just centered around I mean, I'll give sex. you an example. Let's say you haven't always been the kind of person that wanted to have sex all the time, mm -hmm. but your partner is. Right. Mm -hmm. Are you going to be the person to say, you know, just because I don't have these needs, you can't have them either? Right. Yeah. And right. so that's kind of one of the reasons why I actually was interested in poly, because I was introduced to it through kind of a non-sexual lens. Right. Okay. In my friend group, I'm the only polyamorous person, and I have the least sex <laughs> out of all of my friends. So how did you feel when I told you that I was polyamorous? When you were like, hey, this is my get down, I was like, I totally get it. Wanting to set up your life in a way that you can have what it is that you want I think anything goes as long as the intentions are clear. You know it, what I mean? To everyone yeah. involved. To and everyone, to yourself. Really more to yourself Self. than anything, yeah. right? And I know that there's a lot of beauty that sits outside of the conventional boxes. Let's not negate just the simple... Um, because there, there are people that still enjoy marriage as it is today 100%. yes i happen to enjoy being married even though i've been married so well, it's up there podcast. we don't want it wrong with this that. isn't about changing a paradigm that works for people exactly this isn't about that it's, it's about, about being able to have the freedom to create
with this up there okay. podcast. Well, then I'm good. Then. It's almost like you're born, you go to school, you go to college, you get, you get married, married, you have, you have kids, kids, you have to pick a fence. But a lot of people have done that and felt unfulfilled in their lives. Right. But I also think you have to be careful in these particular dynamics because they can be a little distracting. Meaning, you have to be careful in monogamy too. That you can do. be distracting as no, well. No, I'm saying. <laughs> but here's here's the difference I'll between monogamous relationships. Yes. When you have those monogamous boundaries, you're actually forced to have to not just listen to what I'm saying, okay? Just take a minute, just listen to what I'm saying. When you have those boundaries that are put in mm-hmm. and you aren't giving yourselves the opportunity to go call Jane or to go right. call Robert when things aren't going well mm-hmm. within your right in your relationship, it right? You it right? It makes you have to address it. Confront and look at things in a different manner. 100%. Right? So all I'm saying is that in these kinds of dynamics, in just being careful that we're not trying to dodge the raindrops. There's comfort in that it provides to almost like a social order. Yes. To life and setting boundaries yeah. and commitments. Most people right. are practicing monogamy because they feel like they have no other choice. Right. We all know that most people out here doing unethical non-monogamy right. any unethical. damn way. So, first of all, I want to say uh, Jada, very good content that they're putting out over there at facebook shout out facebook shout out red table talk uh the editing tremendous editing tremendous editing i really can appreciate the editing uh beautiful thing um with that being said uh the young lady sitting down is her daughter um and so you see a very interesting dynamic you see you see jada talk to her and try to kind of school her Right, because Jada dealing with some game now, but inside your home, there's a very different dynamic. They get to see what the world views, what the world can't see. You know, inside your home, they get to see what the world can't see. So they see you when when you might have broke down. Or they may know you've been sad and married all this time, you know. And, and, and when I watched this interview, first thing that came to mind, I said, damn, I wonder how much of Will and Jada's situation played a role into Willow wanting to just practice, hey, man, we need to be completely open um, with partners here. You know, this isn't a situation where I want to be lied to or lying to someone you see what i'm saying or sneaking and doing this or that or saying every two years we take six months off you know every two years we break up and we take six months off like your kids are listening but they're watching and we always are told to believe none of what you hear and have for what you see so i mean I just I, I wondered, man, did any did her and Will's situation play into her being that you know want to practice polygamy? You know what I'm saying? Cause see, if you d- dig deep into that world, not the real world, but the 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 the, 
the top of the, the, the food chain of it, like the, the shit at the very top, before you get down to the surface of it, there's a lot of people masking polygamy with just wanting to have sex with a lot of different people. You know what I'm saying? Some people can't even afford to take care of themselves. And they want to say that they, they're in the polygamy. You know? Hey, man, I don't understand how those two things can live in the same place. Right? Maybe there's some information that I just don't have. But part of the situation is you got to be able to provide for these people, my boy. And it's much easier just to go and, you know, hit a couple of them instead of providing for them. So some people mask it as that and then until you run off. And from understanding, man, we ain't, did, we ain't doing nothing but fucking. Like, we ain't building nothing. We ain't, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, but but I just wonder, man, did, 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 did we in them situation play into her doing that in any way? No, that shit was like, damn. I also wanted to talk about the water boys in ATL. So for any of you um, that's not from the South that listen to this podcast, um, if you visit ATL and you ride down certain parts uh, of Atlanta streets, you'll see uh, a couple black young men, uh, probably 13, stuff like that. Selling waters, right? Some people, uh, they got to the point they catch rappers coming through and they just say, hey, just give me something. And people giving them something, right? Over the years, it's became a bit more aggressive in regards to how they approach the people, approach the cars, approach you. Some videos you see them hanging on cars, you see them coming down. You know what I'm saying? You, you've you seen them throw water at people sometimes. You know what I mean? Just they children. Um, They hustling, right? So they clearly got a hustle in them. Clearly. They getting some money now. They getting more money than some grown men I know that just sit around all day. You know what I'm saying? So, so the young boys got some sort of hustle on them now. With that being said, Atlanta is a place where we, you know, black people are dominant. But there still has to be some sort of regulations going on. With that being said, Atlanta has introduced something to where I guess they're trying to ban the water boys from being like on the side doing that. Now, ban is a strong word. Um... When I hear when I hear them say they're trying to ban these dudes, that says to me that they're trying to make it illegal to stand there and sell waters. I find that interesting. That's number one. Number two, will we put in a situation where they're able to get some sort of permit, where they know where they where they know that they can no longer hang on cars and stuff like that? You know, put some sort of guidelines out there to where you will lose your license if X, Y, and Z is, is, you know what I'm saying? Like, are we, because if you're just going to flat out make it illegal the way you can't sell water on the street, I think that's a bit much. With that being said, this is the time for Atlanta to shine. All the the dudes in Atlanta with a bankroll, all the dudes in Atlanta with a sack. Y'all supposed to get them little dudes a building. I don't care if it's a... 
a sheet shed somewhere in the hood or something. You, y'all supposed to get them little dudes some little mini store right here. You know, not a storefront, but just something where they got chips, they got can, they got water, they got, you know. Rappers might come through, give them four or five of the free bands, T-shirts to sell. You know, you know, rappers come through and just give them merch sometime, let them get off because they hustling. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's an important time for Atlanta to show up if they do ban that for them young dudes. I think that Atlanta, you know, all the dudes, all the solid dudes, you know, got to come together and probably try to get them dudes a little something that they can work with, a building, and, and have people pull up over there, man. Y'all pull up on the water boys over there. You know what I'm saying? Support the water boy. You know what I mean? Versus, because, you know, I know grown men that'll be broke and won't go do that. I know grown men that'll be broke and won't go do that. So, man, on certain level, you got to respect that for what it is. That is what it is. Them some little dudes out there getting it. Some little dude running up on cars, catching rappers coming down through there. Dudes giving them a hundred. Y'all split that 500, 100 apiece. Tim Boss giving them 20s and 50s apiece and all that. It's people blessing them. You know what I'm saying? Coming through there because they see the hustle. That's real hustle. And so I just think it's time Atlanta can shine with that. Somebody going to business with them, get them 70%. You might take 30 if you get a big enough building. But if you just get them a little sheet shed or something. You know, just let them have that. If you know, if they, you know, I'm sure that they can come together and do that. That's that small talk. So, um, I'm looking forward to that. You know what I'm saying? Um, also, also the Joe Button podcast uh, has came back. Rory and Maul, for those of you who don't know, took six weeks off of the Joe Budden podcast. Uh, following a disagreement with Joe Budden and some things being said, um, Maul said it was about respect and um, transparency. Which is a very blanket word. But we'll get to that. Rory. Didn't really say it was. What was what it was about. But I've told you guys. What, what it was about. It's a. Joe Budden. It is on Joe Budden. At this point. Well I don't really know. Because he just showed him. He can do it without him. So is it on Joe Budden. But in a perfect world. It will be on Joe Budden to mend the relationship of academics and Rory. And Maul, because he's at Maul last too. Because that has directly affected the relationship, especially between Rory and Joe. I'm not sure Maul bites into it as much. He hasn't really affected anything. But when we talk about Rory, we're talking about... A, He's probably affected some things because, you know, he says Rory kicked it off for him. And and when when the more I hear Act talk about it, he, he did say that um, it all started because they're hearing me. So they're responding to it without saying I'm listening to dude, some dude on 
but they're they're responding to what I'm putting out there. This is one thousand percent effect. They're responding to what I'm saying. Now, academics say when the whole complex thing happened, Rory and Ma came into the Joe Button podcast and was very critical of his business moves. I have heard him call him corny. I've heard him say things about business in regards to him. But he's 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 turned the heat up, man. And I think if it was a line in the drawn in the sand, it wouldn't even affect Rory as much. It's just blurred. It's like, hold on, Joe. You say you love me, right? We we love each other. We're friends. We're really, really, really close. But then you get on live and say you love academics. I keep telling y'all, Joe has a certain level of respect for academics because academics gave him a handoff. Them handoffs I be talking about. Not a handout. Them handoffs I be talking about. Access to the audience. Academics done that for Joe. And lucky for Joe... He has spent enough time speaking and talking and arguing and bullshitting around that he was able to hold a certain kind of conversation that people were drawn to and they liked. But had he not teamed up with academics, there would have never been this boom that you see. Act was on fire in the digital space. He's, He's sending people your way. Now, it's on your content whether or not they stay. You see what I'm saying? And he kind of split it off with him. And I've even heard X say recently, because they're hearing me. And he's seconding my notion. And he's saying, when I first ran into Joe, man, he would do anything to make sure that show happened. That's what I told you. I'm the one that peeped the game around here. Me, the biggest one. I'm the one that peeped the game around here. You know what I'm saying? I'm first, not last. You know what I'm saying? When it come to all this right here, because for me, you get a certain level of understanding from me. So, the guys come back, right? Rory Maul come back. They sit down and they hash it out. Before they hash it out, or while they're hashing it out, you hear certain things. You hear Maul talk about respect and people not built like me. You hear Joe being quiet for a minute, but being quiet for a minute, but saying certain little things. You hear Rory not really saying, how did we get there? He never said, how did we get there? Just said we didn't act as if friends. Yeah, there's a reason why. And I just believe academics is at the foot of it, man. That's what I believe. And so you hear Maul, right? You hear Maul saying, well, man, I didn't really appreciate you brought someone on the show. That was kind of crazy to me. And you hear Joe say, well, I can't stop the show. Right? Everything I've ever done led me to be on here. 
And he is the forefront of the situation. And he's trying to dance around just saying, bro, this is my shit. Right? Because he knows that's a sensitive topic. And it's hard to get people to put their all in if you say this is all mine. If you tell somebody this all mine, it's hard for them to put their all in. But the problem not only was with academics, but like I said before, we turned down millions of dollars from Spotify where we all would have took a bump. Us, not you know, he probably would have took a loss. See, that's where it gets that's where it gets slippery at. But with that being said, you just flipped the coin when you went to Patreon. Oh, y'all take the little loss, and I take the bump. But I'll leverage the podcast to take the bump. You see? So you leverage the podcast. And if you notice, Ma, Ma, when, they, when they're talking about the Patreon deal, go back and look. Ma didn't really give them no big ups and this and that. Because Ma's dealing with people that done business with people that was in bad situations. His brother's a part of that Rockefeller thing with Dame and, the, and how that mess kind of end up spiraling out of control. So his brother's looking at the situation with a pair of glasses on and say, watch these motherfuckers. Watch them. When we talking money, because again, the 52 fake out. No, they offer me 30 million for everything. I'm not doing that. But now we all got to record more, which he's probably paying them to record on Patreon. So we all got to record more for the same amount of money. We didn't get a bump. But because the podcast now appears on Patreon, you got a major bump, a couple of million dollars, and they gave you a fake name. Which, that's the corporate game. I can't knock the corporate game. The corporate game is get in there and get your fake name if you ain't got a degree. If you ain't got a degree, make them create you a name and attach some money to it and you win. That's what it is in corporate America. Court is in session. They said, Loon, do you think... Do you think it was okay that he brought new people on the show? I'm going to say this too though. Maul and it, I mean Maul and Ice is like Urkel and Stefan. Them niggas like Urkel and Stefan to me. But should Joe Budden had waited? Should Joe Budden had waited? Lost six weeks of content? Maybe died in the fans' eyes or shit. He should have put Isha Nice there. Another thing I said too about when he did put Isha Nice there, though, seriously. That dude, Ish, was saying, hey, listen, man. The, the interesting thing about culture is that certain terminology, certain clothes, certain things stamp a certain time frame. It's almost like a glimpse into that time frame. When you got somebody sitting down that's calling people jokers, 
If a nigga call some people jokers, man, man, he old, man. Man, them jokers was over there, man. I ain't playing with them jokers. That's an old nigga. That's 1960s, 70s slang. You see what I'm saying? You stopped keeping up with shit way back then. He stuck right there with the joker thing. Nonetheless, uh, Maul says he should have he scrambled and got it together with them. I don't know, man. I don't know. But you hear him say shit about contracts. You hear Maul say, see, this is the thing why I tell you. This is why you never teach somebody everything. Because then you're playing against yourself. I taught y'all about a contract don't mean nothing to me. Now I'm dealing with you telling me a contract don't mean nothing to you. And this is a contract between me and you. So the game I've been putting out is the game that y'all been taking. And using it back on me. You know what I'm saying? It's an interesting place to be putting in right there. And also, uh, I want to say this about Rory. For Maul to be the one that held Rory down. Because I told y'all then. The Rory, the Rory thing he could have shook off. But Maul holding Rory down was fucked up. And you hear Joe say it. How did you ride with Rory? What was that about? I told you. The Maul thing is what shook him a little bit. Like, whoa, shit. Maul's riding with, like, what is that about? You see what I'm saying? Um, for Maul to be the one that, that, that rolled for Rory and put Rory in a situation to even have any leverage, the first show back, it looked like Rory was ready to throw Maul under the bus. I said, yo, Rory's not talking like somebody that I just basically put my seat on the line for. Well, I was telling mom, man, it's not cool. It's not this. It's not that. Uh, such and such and such. See, they calling. Everybody's calling around about the money because they know Joe's taking the money. It is his situation. And as you've seen, the numbers didn't necessarily go down when Maul and Rory left. That's where they fucked up at. You let me see that I don't need to buy the extra eggs for the cake to turn out this way. That's why Maul wanted them to stop the show. Because the information that's on the other side of continuing this show... Could be detrimental to me and Rory. We may not have any leverage. If you put two dudes there. That say, one that's saying joker. And then the other one that. They just you know. Good opinions. But far as. Just optics. They're, they're, they're at the beginning stage. They look like Joe and them looked on episode 110. You see what I'm saying? They don't have this pawn thing down, but within them six weeks, those those numbers was they didn't go down dramatically. What does that do for the leverage? What does that do for the leverage? Ask yourself. And you know what? Like I told y'all, I went to look back at some Joe Button podcast episodes just to be like, man, what? Let's see what kind of vibe they was on back then. And it was episode 141. And it just so happened to be the one after he left Complex. You know, 
and it was just it's interesting to see where he is now and where he was then because he was talking about lost leaders he was talking about uh the suits handled it wrong um just all kind of shit man talking about ripping up contracts and and they didn't do the right thing and and there was money involved and and, and when him and um what was interesting is right after that Rory and them come back Rory hit him with the complex angle I said man but didn't you leave complex didn't you leave complex but see Maul is is in there saying it ain't about the money fuck the money and then Joe was saying it don't matter about money you know why it don't it don't matter that he says that because I don't give a fuck about money now which one is it at some point we got to tell the truth because if you didn't give a fuck about money then what do we why, why why did you stop why why you couldn't stop the show you can't in one breath because I wouldn't stop the show let me be clear but you can't in one breath say I don't care about money but I can't stop the show because I had to scramble to keep together a multi-million dollar outfit yeah I care about money I'm sorry do with that what you may I care about money it matters none what you think about that money is an instrument I, I need money dog I don't run around with this I don't care about money shit it sound good on tape but that's how you end up broke so I don't want the youngsters to adopt this I don't care about money son I don't no we care about the money let's talk about the money and the way Joe was talking to them is like yo you dudes are work you dudes work for me but I say I want to say this nice because I love you I was under the impression that they own some of the podcast but it doesn't seem that way because you can't I don't have to ask for transparency about something I own I have access to everything that I own But it seems when you go to asking, hey man, what, what? Why we never seen this? Yo, it's mine the same way as yours. I don't got to ask you that because it's mine the same way as yours. Now we can't make decisions that affect the business without each other. But access to the information, yeah, that ain't something I gotta ask you about. If I'm an owner, but if I if I'm a glorified glorified employee like a supervisor or a manager something like that, them are glorified employees. So you just get a little bump in the money, but access to the information is based on a, 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 a how much I need you to know to perform your job type vibe. And you don't need to know anything about the business if all you do is part twice a week and you leave. You haven't shown any ability to create anything else. Now, this is what I would say if I was if I was Marlon Rory. Now, I start to leverage the podcast the same way he did. Because I'm not sure if he's saying, hey, don't go do all those interviews, bro. We need to keep that content here. No, sir. I'm everywhere doing interviews. I might miss a Saturday to do an interview over here somewhere else. 
Cause I gotta build my brand, nigga. Cause you you taking this and you 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 running it up, and I ain't mad at you. But that's how you gotta shoot back out of that. I'm not sure that they're happy still. It's a lucrative spot. Like Joe says, man, I've been on Love and Hip Hop. I've had a record deal. I'm sitting next to two dudes that I love them, but they haven't done much. I just need you to bounce ideas off me. And then I build you up. When you come in, I say, though, this dude's the coolest one, man. He's a cool dude. He's way too cool. You dress better than me. You're cooler than me. That's me telling the audience, like this individual. But you got to understand that when you see it. Way back in the day when Joe was throwing this cool shit on Maul, that was him building him up so the audience can start a hive for him. You understand what I'm saying? So it's it's a situation where Joe probably feel like I can build somebody else up, man. I hate to do it, but I, I can't. Um and so it almost like he was telling them, man. But let's but let's get into the complex uh angle. We're going to play a little bit of the podcast. And you'll hear my drop in the background just to keep them from uh, acting like I'm adding nothing. And it won't be long. We're just going to listen to a little bit of it. Because it was an an everyday show. So I'm sure a lot of people that were gaffers and camera guys or whatever, that was a consistent paycheck. It was like, all right, I can't even take gigs right now because I got to do this shit Monday through Thursday. I'm glad you asked that. Let me clear up a comment. And I wasn't going to ask I would never feel like you're coming at me. Here's the kicker. I never left Complex. I never voluntarily left Complex. With this up there podcast. I never said, yo, I'm not coming into work at Complex. That's not what happened at all at Complex. I understand that when I come in here, and that's what I'm saying about there being an art to shaking a tree. I come in here and I go on these rants, and you pull from it what you pull from it. But if you pull the wrong shit, then you miss the whole thing altogether. Rory, with this up there podcast. Started, it was a Monday through Thursday thing, and if you paid more, then we could do Fridays. They started. I remember. They started uh, pulling tricks with the Friday. I still was showing up Monday through Thursday. With this up there podcast, I just wasn't coming in Friday, and then they pulled the shenanigans. And oh, no, I, I meant the, I I meant res- the renew. And I, the, the, the re up on. But there on was the no shit. no renew because the company decided not to renew my contract because I wasn't playing ball with Fridays and I was costing them money. I could never feel what like the way you're saying because I'm aware that the show must go on. Even if you created it. Boy, talk about a hard pill to swallow there. The show goes on even if you created it. Now, that- this is where, if you remember what happened with Joe Button. And see, this is where you got to be paying attention. If I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong. When the complex thing happened, Joe had his baby. Joe was headed into work Monday. Ian sent a email over to complex saying nothing to worry about. This is Joe Bunn's words. Nothing to worry about. Joe will be there Monday morning. And he received... In receipt of your email, Joe Budden's expired contract is now not in effect. If he does come to work, he will be coming for this amount. And Joe's exact words was, tell me how 
do I come to work after they say that? All right. Now, if you're mall, I build something with you. Granted, did not take care of my business and ensure that I've owned a percentage of this thing because we were just sitting down and talking, right? This was early in the game. So he's probably in a situation to be just a glorified employee, like a supervisor over at a call center or something like that. You, you're an employee, but you make a little more than everybody. Got a little say-so. You see what I'm saying? Because you look at what Ma said to him, like, yo, what's going on, whatever, whatever. And it's just like Joe saying, in receipt of your concern, this podcast is none of your business. And then Ma says, well, tell me, how do I go to work when that's the situation? Joe seems to lend no understanding to what's being said. And sometimes we do that. We adopt a situation where it's like, hey, yo, no matter what you say, little nigga, you can't affect me. So what I say, I'm thinking you should adopt that. But everybody don't adopt that because what's being said coming from somebody that I look to like a, like me. I say certain things to some of the homies that look up to me. It hurt, man. That hurt, man. You know, you know what I'm saying? So you just got to consider those kind of things. You can't be so arrogant to say, how dare you? Uh, stop fucking with me based on what I said You know But we'll get back to this But he, he did not return the complex For the record You said how do you go to work When they offered you a certain amount of money Now Let's keep listening Is a fact So when we as men go to bed at night We gotta face with Back to that replaceable shit Maul said earlier Well we're all replaceable so now the question is, who are you replacing me with? And that's what it was. Hey, you could get rid of me, but in getting rid of me, you better know that you got a seat to fill. And they tried it. They brought in stardom. This is where he's basically telling them, I've replaced you guys, but like I told y'all on the last episode, a couple episodes ago, if Joe leaves the podcast, the numbers dip. If, Raw, if Maul and Rory show up, and then insert anybody there that they know. It won't work the same. But Joe's probably 70, 80% owner of that shit. And it's like I'm paying them pretty good. But this ain't that. You know? But let's listen. Controversial to father niggas. That's it. Akin star. I'm sure the suit said smash. What happens is. Not smash. Oh, bring somebody else. But that's not because I was like, fuck y'all, suck my dick. I want to ruin the show. I thought that was the best thing ever created. With this, oh, with this up there podcast. Handled it wrong. That's where a lot of my past resentment towards y'all come from. But because I have 20 years of seeing how the suits treat us. And I don't do y'all like that. And if y'all don't know that. Their podcast. And if y'all don't feel that. And if y'all don't see that. And if y'all don't trust and believe that, then, yeah, we got a lot more problems than you inviting me to your hands. 
every so, week. That's the least of the issues. Okay, so let, I don't want to accuse you of dancing. Give it to me. But from my understanding, from what I believe is recorded and on this podcast and was a big deal, yes, you did leave Complex because you felt the business dealings there, when the, I believe it was a Spotify deal, maybe a Nike deal or something where you wanted to have... On Fridays. Yeah, you wanted yeah. to have some type of... Uh, with this, up, with this up there podcast. Yes. So there was a problem within the business. No, no, no. But wait, hey, wait, wait. It. Let me add something to you. Now, let me add something so, to you just so you know. Back to the art of shaking and I the tree. And I, I wasn't there. I'm so giving I'm asking, this to you. I'm not saying what happened. With this up there podcast. I remember you telling me. No. I, no. It's much deeper than that. Okay. I thought that they were getting money that they would not be able to get without me. That's what happened. Right. So that showed you what he's thinking is. Maul and Rory can't get any money without Joe. Joe can get money elsewhere without Rory and Maul. That's basically what he's saying. But again, he's playing semantics. He's playing this game where he's, he's dancing around with him. At the beginning, you heard the sorry, not sorry record with Jay-Z. You know, um, and when you see Jay and Nas and when you see Diddy and QC, Birdman and you know, I got to keep putting Suge in that. You know, when you see Suge, when you see 50, uh, when you see, I mean, there's plenty of people that I'm missing, right? But when you see some of these people that's made these strides, you know, like even like Drake, when you see some of these people that's made these strides, such a long time and such a game that's, Designed for it to be a short run. See, nobody respects the game when this is designed for a long run. You got pit stops. You get time to rest. You, there's places to sit and eat and then get back and, and get going. This here was a game that dude stepped in and just had to travel. And so... um I have a different level of respect for certain things because I'm traveling down a road that no one has traveled. It ain't even a road. It looked like woods, but some telling me there's something on the other side, right? So I can kind of understand it. For those that can't understand it, I can see how it becomes how it becomes kind of rough to be like, why people listen to dude when he talk? Like, what's that about? You see what I'm saying? Because you can't really grasp what's happened here. The chain of events has escaped your understanding. Where I went with it. What I done with it. What I done to it. It escaped your understanding. You couldn't, you couldn't fathom that. You couldn't put that together. So it's, it's it, you know, you, you don't understand that all I do is think about the next move. And I don't say that because it's cute to say on a podcast. All I do is think about what I'm going to do next. How I'm going to make sure that it incorporates everything that I've done. And also how it's need to be attached to some money. Conversations are little to none for me at this point in my life. I'm in Bluetooth mode. I'm in discovery mode. I'm taking it in. I'm looking around. I'm 
digesting the situation. I'm looking and seeing what's what can happen, what can go wrong, what can go right, what's the next three steps, what's their next three steps, how does mine beat theirs, how does theirs beat mine, how do I improve, what am I doing wrong, how much more do I need to do, how less, you see what I'm saying, so it's just a dude take his take himself and he head somewhere with that man, and um, when, when I see them dudes like Jay and Nas and Especially to still even be rapping, then I see even did it like I said on other say so many niggas just just like oh we shaking it up we shaking it up Charlemagne you know we just shaking it up we just doing what you see what I'm saying the game is what the game is and unfortunately no one can escape the rules you understand me. And you can't cheat it. I wanted it early. I wanted it early. But when I look back at it, I say everybody that got it early, they leave getting hated. It's something about the human nature that if you get fame early, now there's some, there's some, Anomalies, right? There, there's some things outside of what the normal is, but on a high level, if you were born into fame, a lot of times you leave with with issues. Now, some people can argue, well, alone that's mismanaging the situation. Someone's mismanaging that. I don't know because I haven't dealt with it. Knowing is participation. You know, so I haven't dealt, I haven't, I really haven't, um, you know, navigated with that level of fame to even understand. But I do understand the environment and the atmosphere lends itself to the understanding of the child, regardless of what you're trying to put forth. And so to get into the show, man, today we got um, a lot to talk about. Dr. Umar returned to the Breakfast Club I'll play a little of that, and we'll get into a little bit of that. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. when, we get, when we wake up, the first thing we think about is what can I buy to make myself look more important than other black people? Mm -hmm. You see, so our whole orientation towards life is different from other groups as a result of slavery. Do you, what would you say to people in Atlanta who'd be like, well, we are a black city? Okay, but if you look closely at the statistics in Atlanta, mm -hmm. and I just came back from Atlanta, and I'll be there again, uh, for Juneteenth and shout out to South Fulton Councilman uh, Mark Baker who brought me down to speak at the Unity Day last weekend. When you look at the statistics though in Atlanta, when you look at the homelessness and when you look at the high school completion rate for black boys and when you look at the property ownership mm -hmm. I do not see this black mecca uh, proof, propaganda proof that People are talking about. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. Atlanta is progressive and it is doing better than a lot of other cities for black people. But I'm still seeing those same core issues that that five headed demon or that five headed dragon has brought to the black community. When I talk about the five headed dragon, I'm talking about the miseducation, the economic castration, the mass incarceration, the gentrification and the access to wealth. Atlanta still has all those problems and the numbers are not low, not to mention the extremely high black male 
HIV AIDS rate, which in Atlanta is higher than it is for many second and third world nations around the world. Wow. Do you think the pandemic truly exposed the issues of public schools in the black and brown community? I think the pandemic exposed how disorganized black people are. I think the pandemic exposed I think it was a good question. How, uh, for you to be in a position to uh, about to have a school, um, how would you would have handled the pandemic, you know, in regards to teaching? What, what would what would have been your outcome? Now, it's a good time for me to mention uh, me and Dr. Umar, July 17th, has a live pop-up interview in Nashville, Tennessee. Tickets are on sale at eventbrite.com. It's a very, very limited seating. Dr. Umar will be available to speak with anyone to uh, sign books um, and to and to uh, allow his people uh, time to come in and talk to him. But in regards to inside the building, you will need a ticket. Um, and, and those tickets are very low, um, sorry, very limited um, due to the COVID uh, restrictions. So um, um, I hope to see y'all there, man. It's, it's going to be a beautiful conversation, and we're going to get to some things, and we're going to get some information out, and, and, and we're going to give uh, a good show to the people. And that's, and that's the first thing that we, uh, first time we're going to do it. After that, we got Boosie, we got Love Dorsey, and we got a very, very big name that I'm yet to announce. But I'll announce very soon. It's up there, podcast pop-up show. Our lack of institutional infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, I think, though, the silver lining was that the pandemic gave black parents an opportunity to teach their own children. And I think a lot of black parents learned as a result of that opportunity that they can do this. Mm -hmm. So I see a lot of parents who are contacting me, Dr. Umar, we need some coaching because as a result of the pandemic, we started homeschooling our children and we're liking our success. Mm -hmm. So we're not sending them back. We're going to finish this out and we need you to help us out with that. So I like the fact that it gave black parents an opportunity to show themselves mm -hmm. that educating your own child is not as difficult. It's good for the parent to see my child don't have a reading disability. He just needed to read more. Mm -hmm. My daughter don't have a math disability. She just needed to practice her math more. My son don't have ADHD or conduct disorder or oppositional defiant. He didn't need Ritalin or Adderall or Concerta or Metadata or Cycler. He just needed a more rigorous disciplinary program. So a lot of parents had that price tag. It was not about black justice. It was white capitalism that convicted Chauvin. I, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. But only, the only thing I push back on with that is the fact that I don't want people to think that what Derek Chauvin did wasn't wrong. Because you no, saw it was wrong. It was, exactly. it was absolutely exactly. wrong. And here's what makes the case so pathetic. The whole world saw what happened. Indisputable. And shout out to the teenager who taped the, th the whole thing. God bless her or him. I it was, a, it was a young girl. God yeah. bless her. You know what makes the case so sad? We all saw what would happen. And yet everybody still was on pins and needles. That's right. To see if he would be held accountable. That's right. And then you heard the judge tell him and his attorney that because of the comments that Queen Mother Representative Maxine Waters made, you may have grounds to appeal the case. Well, first of all, he can appeal the case anyway. But why did the judge <laughs> have to remind him that you have the opportunity here to appeal the case. And because he doesn't have a, a record, under Minnesota law, Derek Chauvin could do as little as 12 and a half years and be home to enjoy the rest of his life. But here's a point I want you gentlemen to recognize. 
Live streaming can be tricky and sometimes trying to find the right soft. I want to go to President Biden. President Biden, your first day of office, you signed an executive order to protect the life and safety of transgenders. I have no problem with that. But you did it on your first day. But he sat up here with you, Charlemagne, and told black people that if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. So if you went out of your way begging black people to vote for you, why haven't we got an executive order or any other activity coming out of the Oval Office from President Biden to protect black people from police? Look what he's doing with the anti-Asian hate. President Joe Biden signed an executive order that is exclusive to Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. I don't have a problem with that. But if you can protect the Asian American and Pacific Islander from violence, why can't you do the same thing for black people? They've been dealing with violence for one year as a result of COVID. That's what it's called, the COVID-19 hate crimes bill Mm -hmm. to protect Asians as a result of discriminatory treatment that they've been dealing with for how long? One year. Black people have been catching hell for four hundred years and we have yet to get an executive order from joe biden to protect us from the police and also charlemagne and envy to further highlight the racism of american government the transgender executive order is not for people of color it is not for minorities it is not for disadvantaged communities guess who it's for transgender the anti-asian pacific islander hate uh executive order against hate is not for people of color it's not for minorities it's not for disadvantaged americans it is exclusively and only for asian americans and pacific islanders why am i bringing that up because when barack obama was in office all these negroes running around screaming for obama i still don't know why was said that barack obama can't do nothing specifically for black people, because this is America. And when we got the Civil Rights Bill in 64 and the Voting Rights Act in 65, they included two words at the end of that. One was gender and the other was sexual orientation. So the Civil Rights Bill did not only apply to blacks, it applied to everybody. So if you have to make laws for all Americans, Charlemagne and Envy, how do you explain the fact that the Asian Americans got a law just for them yesterday? The United States Senate. And historic precedents passed the anti-Asian hate crimes bill at a vote of 96 to 1. Now, to give you an idea of what that means, the Senate, they don't agree on nothing. The Democrats and Republicans, they filibuster each other to death. But yesterday they didn't. 96, only one person voted against the anti-Asian hate crimes bill. So can I ask you a question? If the Senate was able to pass the anti-Asian hate crimes bill, Charlemagne and Envy, 96 to 1, with almost no opposition, why is it that the Emmett Till lynching bill still has not been approved? Why is it that there have been over 200 different anti-lynching bills introduced in the U.S. Congress? 200! And not one of them has been approved by the U.S. Congress yet. But the first ever Asian bill goes through on the first try. Mm. Look at the racism. Look at the discrimination. Look at the bias. Look at the inequity there. And why are they catering to the Asians? You know why? Because the amount of white people in this country is shrinking. That's right. And whenever the amount of white people in America shrinks, America looks to find other white groups or other minority groups that they can build an alliance with 
to protect their power and their interests. Who better than the Asians? They're just as conservative politically as many middle-class white Americans. They are just as economically comfortable as many middle-class white Americans. They don't like black people just as much as many middle-class white Americans. Not to mention that this can go a long way towards building relationships with Asian countries on the continent of Asia that America can't afford to build an alliance with Russia. Let us be clear about something. The continent of Asia is a big problem for the U.S. government. You got three power nations on that continent. You got Russia that America can't stand. You got China that America can't control. And you got India, which is one of the fastest growing populations and it is quickly becoming the IT giant of the world. Kamala Harris is not the vice president by accident. Kamala Harris is the vice president on purpose because America needed to send the nation of India an olive branch to improve their relations because America can't afford for India to get tight with China or Russia. This is politics. And they're going to use the Asians, okay, as probationary whites. They're going to upgrade them to probationary white status to make sure that they stay on the side of the white man and not go on the side of the black man. This Asian agenda is a distraction from the issues that are affecting black people. How do you sign an executive order for the transgenders, executive orders for the Asians? He has signed nothing for black people. And mind you, Envy and Charlemagne, there have been at least five notable police terrorism cases on Joe Biden's watch. You had the 16-year-old sister who was shot four or five times with the knife. Mm -hmm. And I don't want nobody to tell me that the police were justified. We're going to get to that. And, we, okay, we, we get to I got that. you. Yeah. But the five, her. Mm -hmm. And then you have uh, Officer uh, Nazario, the African-Latino brother who was harassed by the police mm -hmm. in his car. Mm -hmm. The lieutenant. You had the yeah. brother, 17-year-old boy, murdered by the police in the bathroom Anthony in Knoxville, Tennessee. Anthony so Floyd Mayweather spoke about being uh, having a fight with Logan Paul. Hold on, here's the clip of it. Let me find it. You mean why have an exhibition with Logan Paul? Yeah. Because a fight is a, a fight is, that, is something that goes on your record forever. This is an exhibition. Uh, why not? I mean, I, like I just told you before. Remember this. I got a sharp mind. I told you I was an entertainer. I wasn't. Just, I'm not just a fighter. I'm an entertainer. So. I can fight a fighter right now, right? And I can I can guarantee myself what thirty five million. I can guarantee myself thirty five million. Eventually, probably make probably fifty million, right? Just a regular fight, right? Or I can men Logan Paul or a YouTuber. We can go out and entertain and have fun and make. Nine figures, a hundred million or, or more. Stopping that, so I just stopped going. So yes, I do have a social media manager. So there's some T pain shit, but see, so it's a lot of money involved. It's a lot of money involved, which uh, make Floyd May Floyd Mayweather got to keep that lifestyle up, and, and you go go get the money now. Uh, I think it ain't even gonna be a close fight. A lot of people, you know, may think something other than that, but nah. I don't see it. I don't see how you put yourself in a situation to think Floyd can get beat by Jake Paul. I just, I mean, I can't even wrap my mind around it. It's a big boy payday, though. Some people definitely going to be checking it out because it's just the day and time that we live in. You know, people going to definitely be checking it out. I'm going to be one of them checking it out. Because on some level, you say, well, he is kind of big. We heard Wax say it. Dude, bigger than Floyd. 
Excuse me. So, dude bigger than Floyd, but do that mean that he can really hit Floyd with a flush shot and knock him out? We don't know. You know what I'm saying? Floyd can hurt that dude, though. I'm talking about really, like, hurting him. You see what I'm saying? And dude got an unorthodox. He, he not no real boxer, so he ain't got no type real style. You know what I'm saying? So I just wonder how that's gonna play out, man. And I'm gonna be I'm gonna be tuning in. I'm gonna be tuning in, but mm-hmm. Just gonna be a funny fight to watch. Quando Rondo uh just did a show. Uh his first show, you know, after the situation. And Nobody showed up. I ain't going to say nobody, and he's paid regardless. Let's be clear about that. You know, either way, if nobody don't come or not, he's paid. But the thing is, nobody showed up. People are saying it's in fear that something will happen. He had a lot of niggas up there with him. So he probably riding in other cities with his people. You see what I'm saying? And, and trying to navigate through and pick a bag up here and now. But they showed the club. Like, I was like, damn. I'm talking about they show. I'm like, man, damn, ain't nobody even in that motherfucker. Damn, that's fucked up. And then I seen somebody had tagged on and I said, well, with, with the media, not the media, with the blogs posting this, it's going to affect other promoters. Like other promoters gonna see that post and be like, man, I don't really know if I want to do that. See, the promoter game is the game that you want to be tapped into. The promoter game is really who make the artist. It depend on your music. Got to have some good music too. But once the promoter start tapping in, that's when your career change. Man, fuck the radio. Nigga be talking about radio and label. When the promoters, because it's a circle of niggas all around the country, that this is how they living. This ain't no, you know, in my town, it used to be a side thing for certain niggas. We'll get in it, like even me. I get in and spend 40 on a party right quick. Make something back, get out the way. And we talking about in every town, that's one of them. But then there's a big boy in every town, too, that's grabbing. When you see them tours come through, when you see them dudes that start tapping in, your career changes as a rapper. I'm talking about it go, you go up then. And they can't fuck with you. Because you getting that bag. And then they might have you Friday, Saturday here. Then you shoot right down to Florida for Sunday. Then you go back next week, you Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Thursday, Friday, they got you booked up. You know what I'm saying? Tell you. So, artists remember that. Everybody talk about the labels and this and that. But when them promoters tap in, when the not the janking ones, when the real promoters tap in, the Tim Bosses and certain niggas like that all throughout the country, because every city got them, when they start tapping in, that when you see a rapper jewelry chain. That when you see a rapper cop a Bentley or, or this or that. Yeah, when you see. Then you got boosting them. They used to run down through Tennessee, through Nashville. Nigga, they sometimes two, three times. 
back to back to back, grabbing that money. Pop, pop, pop. That's hustling. But like I say, you need them promoters on your team. Honeycomb Brazes went back to jail, uh, seeming that the police, I'm going to go to his page and see, but seeming that the police pushed up on him while he was somewhere like they knew where he was at. Yeah, well, like they knew where he was at. So even the girl that would take me like, how y'all know where he was at? They try to say social media. Dude, they ain't posting his real spot on social media. Y'all must got y'all must following a nigga some kind of high. That's why I try to tell y'all everybody Kiki Kaka about the them little Apple things, them little bitty things. They gonna start dropping them off, man. Niggas gonna have them in they cop glued up to the today ain't even gonna know. Shit like it, it's already happening, man. People trying to figure out where that money at, where you going at that night. Like, where you really going. You know what I'm saying? It's a different type of game because, like, they push up on Honeycomb and get him. Then they, they play him like they want to shoot him. They play him like they think he's dangerous. Put your hands up there. You know how they do. But they look like they want to shoot. They had the dog out there. It's, it's, it's a bunch of them. Look like they want to shoot. But he, he get on the ground, then they run up, put him in handcuffs, stand him up. You know what I'm saying? And then they tell me, how they how y'all just pull up right here, though? I keep telling motherfuckers, pay attention, man. I'm not playing with nobody about nothing. I'm talking about, man, I love everybody. But the, little, the, 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 the less you know, the less you can affect. You know what I'm saying? I got to adopt certain principles to stay where I am. Just not only safe but financially. I gotta adopt certain habits to stay where I am, not only safely but financially. I gotta put myself in a position not to never, ever, ever, ever compromise being the anchor of this thing that you see. That I'm, you understand me? I'm the anchor of this thing. You know what I'm saying? And I hear people sometimes say, man, uh, well, man, uh, you know. You know, it's just certain things can't happen when you really is the anchor of your situation. You know what I'm saying? And people respect that you as the anchor. They ain't putting no, you know what I'm saying, disrespect on you, man. They knowing. You know what I'm saying? What dude do is different. It's hard. And he doing it. And he stay doing it. And he about what he's saying as far as air type, understanding and game and, and, and just peeping shit. It ain't too much you can run past me that I didn't see coming. I allowed a lot of stuff to happen in my past. Not no disrespect, just trickery. Which which now has me able to sit here and it's nothing nobody can do. I grew up around some of the most vicious niggas. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. I seen uh Irv Gotti had put out that uh DMX, like I spoke about on the last episode, DMX had died for fentanyl. You know, I kind of went into that um, and smoking crack. And um, then 50 clowned him, and we seen people respond to it. Switch Beats went under there and said he a clown. Jetty Kiss called him a wing, certain things like that. So these people wasn't feeling the fact that what are you talking about and why? See, that's what I say about you, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you never know what, you know, you just, it's just a, it's a funny life, man. Life is funny. Life is not just for you to look at and say, man, D, everybody gonna keep it real and this and that. You really can't, 
expect much from these human beings, man. You really got to expect the least of from these human beings, man. I mean, it's interesting when you put too much into one of these human beings, man. It just don't never turn out right. These folk, they go the other way with it. But, uh, you know, 50 Cent put that out and Irv Gotti came back. Let me see if I can find and read to y'all what he said. First off, let me say again how much I love my nigga X. The facts that is coming to, into question is the only reason I feel I need to address the bullshit. I love X and love him unconditionally, and that won't change till I die. Dog, love. Now, in the interview I did for at WGCI and Kendra Media is the interview where I said what I said about DMX. Everything I said had already been reported in the media. If you look back at Ball Alert and Shade Room and other media outlets, everything I said had been out there already. I did not break anything I said, but you know what? I understand. No one wanted to hear from me, and for that, I am truly sorry. To ever make people think I don't love my nigga X, anybody knows me or knew X cannot ever front like me and X didn't share a special bond. I put my career on the line for X and did things for X that's unquestionable. Our relationship grew and grew to the point where I fell... Well, I feel I understood X and and the love he wanted. That's why I said dog love. Unconditional love is what I gave X. It didn't matter to me. Anything he was doing, I loved him and I always would try to do the best for him. I spoke with at Tasha's, Tasha A. Simmons, who I love also, and I apologized as soon as I seen it went left. I explained to her I was only saying things I heard reported already, to which she said they don't know if it's real yet. They're waiting for the doctors to come back and tell them, then which I apologized even more for repeating what had been reported. You know, I apologized to my my brother's general over everything at Wadeen. They know exactly where my heart is with X and where my heart is with them. We have done things together that will never change how I feel about them. They are my brothers. Again, I apologize for talking out of turn. In my defense, I honestly thought I wasn't saying anything that everyone didn't hear already. If anyone thinks that the love I have for X is nothing but genuine, hold on. If anyone thinks the love I have for X is nothing but genuine, unconditional love, just look at our history. Really look at it. And there is no way we can thank that. Love you, X, until I die. See you again. Family, right? With that being said, man, it's certain, like I said, you got a grieving family, you know, that look at you as an extension to confirm some of these things that you're saying is being confirmed by way of your testimony. Um, there's a lot of things in the air, right? There's things being said about a lot of people, but depending on who stands next to them, that's when things start to look a little shaky, you know? So, um, I just think, uh, I just think, uh, that you gotta, you gotta just be, you, you just gotta be, uh, mindful. 
You know, you got to be mindful, man, when you're dealing with death. You got to be mindful when you're dealing with emotions at a high level. Whether or not, you know, you may think something, know something, have information that you can have because you're close to the individual that's in question, right? But it confirms it sometimes when you come out and stand next to it, man. So we got to be careful, you know, when we're doing that. Um, but, yeah, but I think the Floyd and Jake Paul thing going to make some money, man. I think it'll make a whole bunch of money, which is what they're there for, which is what, you know, they're there to do. So I think it's a, it's a beautiful situation. I'm going to watch it. And um, if you listen to to the end of this, I appreciate you, man. And make sure you subscribe to um, my podcast on every outlet, man. They got now where you can subscribe and support us that way. Make sure you get your tickets for Loan and Dr. Umar Pop-Up uh, Podcast in Nashville, Tennessee. Tickets are on sale at eventbrite.com. We appreciate y'all, man. Thank you for listening. Gone. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then mm-hmm. a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's and what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.